Colossians, the second chapter, uh, we went all the way up to the 10th verse. I'm going to just kind of briefly go over that verse again, hopefully getting down to verse 15 today, should the Lord say the same. Colossians 2, 10 through 15. Amen. Keisha, you got the scriptures? Okay. The word of God reads, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I want to speak to you today from the title, Raised to New Life. Raised to New Life. I cannot stop smiling. I'm just up here just cheesing. <laughs> it's like I'm just, just fixed. My face is fixed. My face is fixed. <laughs> All right. That's the joy of the Lord. Amen. Let's go back briefly to Colossians, same chapter, to the third verse. And the word of God says, in him lie hidden all, say with me, all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul has been digging deeper into this statement that he made here in this second part of the letter that he's in. Um, And he's stated that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Amen. Made available to us as believers. Everything we need to know, everything that we need to know, everything that we need to know is found in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is no secret revelation of God, no deeper understanding of knowledge outside of Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Now, when I study the Bible, I read, and then I reread the text, and then I look at several different versions of the text, and I'm trying to gain from the Bible, to extract from the Bible, uh, what are they, the main statement, the main message that has been conveyed from the writer, to try to get a solid biblical footing on what is being said. And some of the subheadings or some, t- some of the titles, you know, the King James Version doesn't really give a lot of, if any, um, subheadings. Um, but other translations do. And I just want to kind of give you some of the, the subheadings for this passage that we're going over today. Uh, one subheading says, freedom from rules and new life in Christ. Another one says, not legalism, but Christ. Amen. Another one says, let me warn you against those intellectuals. The other one says, uh, another one says, the old law can't condemn you now. I like all that. Amen. Um, They're trying to pull out what the believer needs to know and what is the main point of the passage to give the reader some understanding of what the writer is saying. Basically, what he's saying basically is there are a lot of demonic interference, impediments, obstacles to lure you away from the main thing you need to know in in life. And that is, is your connection with God solid? Amen? And He's saying to these Colossians, this baby church, he's saying, I want you to know that you have everything you need 
in Christ Jesus. Your connection with God is through Christ alone. Amen? Now, what I said last week, uh, when it, that statement in the 10th verse, it says, and being, we are complete. Amen? Complete meaning already having everything you need to restore the relationship. It's about relationship. It's all about relationship. The treasure is understanding that Christ has accomplished everything we need to bring us back to, as I said last week, perfect standing. Not good, but perfect standing with God. Wow. There is no greater treasure uh, than to know that you have perfect standing with God through Christ Jesus. Amen? However, it takes wisdom and knowledge to know what God has done. Amen? And how to apply what God has done in this life so that we're not all over the place when it comes to what we believe and how that belief causes us to live. I'm going to say that again. The wisdom and knowledge of what we should know and how to apply it, all of that has everything to do with understanding what Christ Jesus has done for us. And if we don't know that, then we'll be all over the place with what we believe Amen? And how we live out what we believe. That's key. Amen? So Paul wants to set it straight to the Colossians, then, and to TLC here through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is being told by God, you have everything you need. You believe it? How many people have Jesus? What's missing? (laughs) amen 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 so in Colossians 2 and 10 again he says so you are complete through your union with Christ our relationship with God is solid it's not lacking anything because we are in Christ who is ahead over every ruler and authority the suggestion of the false teachers at that time was that you needed a connection through the angels or you needed a next, you know, next level connection through higher philosophy and higher knowledge. In order to be connected to God, uh, you needed all this extra stuff on top of Jesus. Okay? And it's false because, we, as we learned last week, Jesus is over everything he's created. So to get a connection through a bunch of angels or some philosophy when you already got Jesus makes no sense. Okay? He's basically saying you have everything you need. There's no extra deity And no extra philosophy needed. Now, what he does from here, from that statement, is he starts to stack his case like a lawyer. Okay? He's saying, now, in verse 11, on top of that, further proof of that. Okay? That you have everything you need. Verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Circumcision is an initiation rite. Okay? Back in Jewish times or old you know, during the Jewish religion and in that, in that culture, in order for you to be a part of God's people, there was a ceremony or a ceremonial act um, where you were, the foreskin was cut of every male by a certain day. Amen. And you had to do this in order to be considered, initiated, or brought into the community, a part of the people of God. You were separated, holy. Now, That's what was happening then. He says, but when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Not by the Jewish rite of ceremony. Not by any effort or human effort on your part or anybody else's part. He said, it was a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Christ performed it himself. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. Listen to these words, saints. The cutting away of your sinful nature. Now stop and just take that in. Don't add anything to it. Don't overthink it. The word of God just said, do we believe the word? The word of God says when you were, past tense, circumcised, Jesus performed a spiritual circumcision When you got saved, that cut away your sinful nature. Wait a minute. Your sinful nature has been 
cut away. Don't overthink it. (laughs) Just receive it. That's key. Hear me, saints. I've seen a lot of people shipwreck their faith by not believing what God said. Your sinful nature, if you are a believer, has been cut away by Jesus Christ himself. I can see you struggling. (laughs) Naturally, this brings up a question. Well, Pastor Jamie, God and Jesus, whoever else wrote that, (laughs) if Jesus cut off my sinful nature, why do I still deal with sin in my life then? Right? I want to curse somebody out right now. (laughs) Pastor, you just don't know. It's been one of those weeks. And they had it coming. (laughs) Hmm? I want to get even. I'm naturally defensive. My children got on my last nerves. I lost it. I looked at a few things I shouldn't have been looking at. I do have Netflix. Amen. Pastor, if that is true, if this statement is true, I'm struggling with this. Because I see myself in a situation where that is what God said, but there's other stuff I'm dealing with (laughs) that ain't matching up to that. Right? One preacher put it this way. He said, you have been given a new nature, but you still got an old body. Amen? So to experience this truth, now you must believe that that old nature is truly cut off and dead in order to see any results from that truth. Are you hearing me? Example, one of the things that I do, because I'm being very careful now, I I try to manage my weight, okay? So what I do is I tell myself, Jamie, you don't need another biscuit. (laughs) Jamie, you've already had a biscuit. One biscuit is enough. Jamie, you're already full. You can stop eating at any time. I tell myself these things. You're not that hungry. You've had enough. Can we go a little bit further? Can I be honest with you? As a black man? Jamie, you have a wife. You're already whole and complete in that area. You do not need a chick on the side. Jamie, how many sister pastors do you want? You can't even handle the one you got. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I tell myself, are you hearing me? What is true? Here's the thing. Romans 7, at the end of it, says this. Just trust me, it's there. He said, with the mind I serve Christ, but with my flesh I serve sin. Are you hearing what's happening? And then Romans, the eighth chapter, you turn that chapter, it says, the key to walking in victory is walking in the spirit so that I do not fulfill the desires of the what? Flesh. Oh, you guys know it. So here's the thing. I have the mind of Christ, but I recognize that my body has a mind of its own. So I believe what God says is true. Then I tell my flesh what God says is true. And depending on the grace of God to empower me to live what is true, that's how I walk in victory. That's how I walk in the truth and not the lie. Are you hearing me? Good. You're getting it. Good. I'm not depending on any other deity. I'm not depending on any other philosophy. I am depending on the grace of God that allows me to do what I know I cannot do in and of myself. I tell myself what is true. I tell my flesh what is true. (laughs) That's really what's happening. Amen? And then I depend on God to live the truth. Okay? Amen. Is that clear? 
12. Still stacking proof here that Christ is all you need. Backing up his case. He says, on top of that, not only were you circumcised by Jesus, you were buried with Christ. When you were baptized, and underline this, and with him, you were raised to new life. We are raised to new life. How? Because you trusted in the mighty power of God. The King James uses another term. It says the operation of God. You trusted in the power of God who raised Christ from the dead. When you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. Amen. And with him, you were raised to new life by believing and trusting, relying on the mighty power, the operation of God, the power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Baptized here is not talking about water. Okay? This is not talking about your baptism ceremony that you had when you wore all white or whatever color you were wearing and they dipped you in the ocean, the pool, the baptismal pool, whatever, whatever happened. Amen? He's saying it's not just... The, how do I say this, Lord? Paul just got rid of the idea that one ceremony and circumcision did it. So he's not saying that baptism does it. Are you hearing me? He's not saying that this water baptism is what has caused you to have new life. There it is. Baptism does not make you saved. This word baptism, when you really look at it, it's baptism is just a visible picture that is publicly displayed so that people understand and know that this outward picture of going into the water and coming out of the water represents an inward work that God has done in your life. Are you hearing me? So saying baptism here, he's saying that you are identifying with Christ. Your identification is now totally in Christ. When Christ died, the old you died. When Christ rose, the new you rose with him. Are you hearing that? Okay, so he said, furthermore, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized with him and you were raised to new life. Because you trusted in the mighty power. I trust in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power that raised him from the dead raised me into new life. What's different about me? I don't know what it is. But something has happened. I have this new ability that I did not have before. I've identified with the death of Jesus Christ. I identify with the raising of Jesus Christ, and now I have new life. Now, when God makes you alive, you see that here? He says, you were raised to new life. Amen. When God makes you alive, there is no middle state of being. You are not somewhat alive and somewhat dead. Oh, we are not walking around with a percentage of aliveness. <laughs> are you, is there any half alive people here? Please let me know. Okay. You are either all the way dead. Am I making some sense, people? Or you are either all the way alive. Here's the point. Whenever, thank you, Holy Spirit. Whenever Jesus walked up on the scene, Things had to change. Okay? If there was something wrong, then things had to change. When you have an encounter with the Son of God, amen, the truth of God, the gospel, things have to change. When Jesus walked around healing folks, he wasn't halfway healing folks. Are you thinking, think this through. You know, I I need a new leg. Jesus would be like, well, you know, I'll give you half of one. You're going to hop for Jesus, but that's the best I can do. He didn't make you halfway whole. He made you whole. 
You are complete in him. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. Come on, somebody. The meaning here is completely healed. The Bible never says Jesus halfway healed anybody. You are completely healed, you're not, or you're not healed at all. Think about it. So the same thing in salvation when it comes to new life. The risen life is God does the saving. That means when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are completely saved. Oh, don't let that devil lie to you. I am completely saved. Are you hearing me? You are completely saved. You are completely new, totally new, not halfway new. Are you hearing me? You're new creatures in Christ Jesus. He didn't say sonic, kind of, sort of new. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. We are complete, brand new, totally healed, whole in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 6 and 7. Slow down, Jamie. Romans 6, 6 and 7. The Bible says this. Underline this. Knowing this. Starting here from this point, you've got to know this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So the, it's been cut off, saints. <laughs> he didn't say that it, the body of sin may be halfway destroyed. He says, I want you to know something. You got to know this. In spite of your temptations and issues, you got to know that what Jesus Christ done has been something that is total and complete. Your body of sin might be completely destroyed. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. Something has been broken. Are you hearing me? Jesus snatched us out of something. It's already, come on, somebody, get this. You know, I just can't get away. No, 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 no. You, you, knowing this. I just can't stop. No, no, no. Knowing this. It's been broken. Amen? Verse 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. We've been, oh, I get it now, Holy Spirit. You were buried with Christ. And now you're risen to new life. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That doesn't mean I don't struggle with sin. You may still slip up and do what you hate to do. But do you know what this really means? And I, it took me a minute for me to really digest this. Do you know what this verse really means? It means that all who are identifying with Christ Jesus, who are saved and repented from their sins, who are believing and trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, the consequences of sin cannot touch you. I know. I get it. Because I was like, really? (laughs) Really, Lord? What is that saying, Pastor Jamie? There is no eternal death for those who are now in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. But if you have died with Christ, you are now raised new life. And that means the eternal death is no longer a consequence for you. What are you saying, Pastor Jamie? The old you was already dead. No. You can't pay the penalty by dying twice. You can only die once. (laughs) are you hearing me you died with Christ you are now free from what every last one of us knows we deserve are you hearing me saints what are you saying you're going to heaven and nobody and nothing can change that it's over it's too late 
No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand until he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Done. Oh, help me, Lord. Now, here's why I bring this all up. Here's the catch. You can be on your way to heaven (laughs) and still experience hell on earth simply because you refuse to believe what Jesus Christ has really said. You refuse to settle in your spirit what Christ has already done. Taking yourself through a thousand changes. Mm. And you do that as Paul is pointing out here, by believing the lies from Satan that says you're missing something, you're not complete. Yeah, you got to add something. You ain't, uh, ain't quite in. Yeah. You know, and I, kind of, Jesus kind of did it, but he didn't do it all the way. Jesus, you know, Jesus was slipping on that day. No, that's exactly what he does. And what ends up happening is you subtly begin to turn the grace of God, which works Uh, uh, which does the work in you that that Christ has done on your behalf, you begin to turn it and twist it subtly into something that you have to earn. It turns into work that you feel that you still have to do in order to be right with God. Being a child of God that is accepted is far easier than being a slave who's trying to jimmy-rig their way into heaven. I'm going to jimmy-rig my way into God. I'm going to say that again. Being a child of God that is already accepted and knows they're accepted is far easier than being a slave that's trying to jimmy-rig themselves into the family of God. Okay? You can't do it. It has to be of God. The problem is, is we got believers who are acting like slaves. And we're miserable because of it. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians to explain to them, no, that's not true. You believe the gospel, you receive Christ, your salvation is secure. And nobody can take it from you. Amen? Amen. Verse 13. Verse 13, Colossians 2.13. The word of God reads, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. What he's saying here is you couldn't respond to God even if you tried hard to. Okay? Even if you did your very best to respond to God, you couldn't do it because you were dead. You can prop a dead person up in your bathroom and try to get him to brush his teeth all you want to. Nothing's going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. You can even yell and threaten them with all kinds of religious consequences to try to scare them into response. They can't do it. They're dead. Amen? For all of us trying to scare our children into salvation, (laughs) for all of us trying to push our wayward family members and, 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 uh, and unregenerated husbands into the body of Christ, nothing will happen until God does something. Oh, you need the rest of this. Because dead people do not respond until the Holy Spirit quickens them to life. And if you remember your own story, it was the same thing with you. You couldn't respond either until God said, now is the time. And he brought you into a new life. And now you can respond. Why? Because you were dead. You were dead. Now, that doesn't mean that we give up praying and trying to, you know, evangelize. No, no, no. That does not mean that. That's a fatalistic point of view. We don't do that. It means that we keep praying. 
But we understand that only God and God and nobody else is going to be able to do this miracle. Why do I know? Because it was the same thing that happened to me. I was dead until he quickened me to life. So he says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Your old nature was still attached to you. So you couldn't respond. Are you hearing me? Verse 13, almost done. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Now, we hear that over and over and over again, but I want you to understand that there's a deep understanding that God has of human nature and what sin has done to his human creation. Okay? He does something that if you think about it, we would never do. God made us alive with Christ, comma, for he forgave all our sins, period. He didn't forgive some of your sins. <laughs> he, he forgave all of them. Now, now, before I move forward, take a minute and go back in your mind all the things that you did in rebellion against God. Just take a second. Some of us don't even want to. It's bad, ain't it? Now hear this. Jesus forgave all of it. All of your sins. Everything that you've done that God hated, he forgave it all through Christ Jesus. All of it. Isaiah 55 and, says, 55 and 7, Isaiah 55 and 7 says this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly, I love that, abundantly pardon. God is not some insurance company deciding which accidents he's going to cover and which ones he's not. Okay? He's not saying, I will, I will cover some sins. But that one sin that you did, I, I don't know. The premium on that's kind of high. You can't afford that one. So you're, gonna go ahead, you're gonna, just going to go to hell for that one. God is not doing that. God covers it all. The blood of Jesus has caused all of us to be, to be forgiven for everything we've ever done. Are you hearing me? Isaiah 118. Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. Some of these sins were just red, red, red hot. Come on, let's be honest. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then Acts 13, uh, 38 and 39. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. Now take me back to Colossians 2, 14. I'm going to tie this together. We were dead because of our sins, because of our sinful nature was not yet cut away. It was attached to us. Then God made us alive with Christ by forgiving all of our sins. Counseling, okay, and then verse 14 says, he canceled the record of the charges against us. He canceled the debt that we could not pay, saints. We loaded up like a credit card with extreme interest. Charges that we could never pay. You know how that is. It's just like it just gets worse and worse and worse. And when you just never get out of debt, every time we sinned, another charge was added. Every time we thought something wrong, another charge was added. Every deed that we did that was against God, another charge was added. Every time we did what was, what was wrong, when we should have done what was right, when we missed an opportunity to do what was right, by missing out and doing what we were not, what, by doing what we shouldn't have done, instead of doing what was right, we added another charge. We missed opportunities to do what was right. Another charge gets added. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so he's saying that all of that stuff is on our record. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. But Jesus took all our paperwork and all the charges. And when they drove nails into his body, God was driving nails into our debt and paying for all the charges. So it's true. I did it. I'm guilty. That is my name. And underneath my name is all the charges of everything I did. But Jesus took the charges and he died in my place and now my record is clean. And sin is now stuck to the cross. And none of that stuff is ever stuck on me. It's attached to the cross and it's not attached to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He nailed my debt to the cross and he took that stuff off of me. And now I'm free. I'm free, saints. Now, the King James Version says it quite differently. And I need, to, I need to say it this way because I need to teach it to you because I think the Living Translation doesn't quite capture this in a way that we need to see it. Verse 14, give me the King James Version of that. Colossians 2, 14. Come on. King James. Ah, I sent it to you. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That is the Mosaic law that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. The ordinances speak of the Mosaic law. Okay? The handwriting was blotted out. They used to write on papyrus. Okay? And the ink had no acid in it, and so the ink wouldn't go all the way through, so they could easily just wipe off what was written on there and wipe it off and reuse it. It was like kind of cleaning the slate. Okay? So writing that blotting out the handwriting of the Mosaic law, not just the ceremonial, but the moral law that was against us. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Okay? Which was contrary to us. He's basically saying that the law has a way of becoming a hindrance. Oh, and he took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. Knowledge of sin is good so that you know when you've done something wrong. But knowledge of sin alone cannot make you do what's right. Are you hearing me, Pastor Rick? So the law serves its purpose. It lets you know you've done something wrong. But after that, the law can actually get in the way of true devotion to God. Uh, if I'm telling you that you're wrong over and over and over and over and over again, it only produces an outward performance. Barnes says it this way, outward works, not inward obedience of the will, which is only going to come from the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying that the legal code causes you to fake it. Are you hearing me? Uh huh. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can produce in the believer uh, what is a true devotion from the heart. God does something to us that none of us would ever do. He takes all of our sin, and instead of holding it over our heads, like we would do to some people that have gone and done some stuff to us, I'll never forget what you did. You hear me? You are mud and dust for the rest of your life to me. You understand me? Instead of holding it over our heads, <laughs> what God does is he wipes the slate clean. Oh, oh, he does something that nobody will ever do. He said, if you turn from your sin and believe in my son, I'll wipe out every wrong that you ever did. And what does that do? It produces in the believer a love for God that causes you to obey from the heart. Amen. And not from the legal code. He's saying the law could never do that. We would have never done that. I would have held that thing against you. And he's saying that what God does, he says he sees all of our stuff. And he wipes it clean. And out of that, we go, you know what? No one's ever done that for me before. Who would do that for me? Because of that, it causes me to love God. So my devotion, my obedience comes from the heart. And when they say I love him because he first loved me, that's what they're talking about. Are you hearing me? The law could never do that. Only the Holy Spirit can. 
Have you ever noticed when you get a kid who's called a bad kid? When you're constantly reminding that kid of how bad they are? Have you ever noticed that the only thing that you get is a little, uh, another level of them being bad? Have you noticed that? You good for nothing. They start saying, that's right, I sure am. What's wrong with you? You can't get it right. I sure can't. They get hard. You start reinforcing what they are not supposed to be. Huh? Those legalistic measures don't work. Here's what I'm trying to say, people. The reason why they respond that way is because their most essential need is not being met. They're not accepted and they're not loved. Okay? So you cannot get obedience from the heart without including love. You can't do it. You must tell them that they are wrong because that's not loving either. I got to tell you they're wrong, but I can't leave you there. Okay? So you got to tell, Jesus is basically saying that he took our charges and he nailed them to the cross and we love him for it. Why? Because we would never expect anybody to do that for us. He doesn't keep hanging it over your head like you low down, dusty sinner. Y'all ain't nothing but dust. From dust you start out and from dust you shall return. Dusty sinners. No, he breathed life into us, new life, restored our relationship, brought us to God. He takes our sins as far as the east was from the west. Huh? And he does not remind us of them. That's the devil's job. Quit doing the devil's job and reminding yourself everything you did wrong. Don't do that. Except for when I ask you to. <laughs> All right. Verse 15, in this way, by the love displayed on the cross, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. That means he stripped off the weapons. He publicly shamed them by his victory over them on the cross. Because of Christ. And what he has done on the cross and the love he displayed by dying for our sins, the enemy's weapons can be formed. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper. Are you hearing me? He stripped the effectiveness. Are you feeling me? That doesn't mean that we don't have to be wise to the cunningness of the enemy. That doesn't mean that we don't have to be smart. That doesn't mean that we don't have to, you know, watch out. What I'm saying is, is because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he publicly shamed them. He publicly displayed that love. And so the Colossians had this thing where they were fearing angels. They were fearing demons. They were, they were um, concerned about the universe's fate over them. You know how folks would be like that? Jesus is in control of all of that. Okay, there is a greater power that has been given to us that is available now for the believers. The hold that the enemy had on you has been stripped. Are you hearing me? Is anybody experiencing this? Huh? Is anybody, what I'm telling you is this is because of the cross. When Jesus died for your sin, the enemy had no choice but to let go. When you got saved, his power was broken. Do you believe this, though? Do you believe this? Are you depending on anything else other than Jesus Christ on the cross? Do you believe this? There is no such thing. Edna taught me a long time ago. You got these spooky Christians. They believe in all kinds of stuff. You know, they might as well levitate in church. You know, they believe in all kinds of things. Edna used to say, there ain't no such thing as luck. Jesus is in control of everything. We ain't dependent on nobody but Jesus. She told me that when I was a child. And I never forgot it. Because I ran into all kinds, in the music business, I ran into all kinds of spooky Christians. They believe all kinds of stuff on top of Jesus. He said, no, no, no. Your fate is with Jesus. Your victory is in Jesus. Your overcoming power is in Jesus. Your salvation is in Jesus. Your assurance is in Jesus. Your peace of mind is in Jesus. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? He publicly shamed them. Got the victory over them on the cross. Now, pastor, why are you going over this over and over again? What is the point? Well, here's the thing, saints. Give me 2 Corinthians 5.19. I just want to end with this. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, and we've read this before. For Christ, or for, or for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave to us this wonderful message of reconciliation. How many people in here we got saved here? In here? How many people are saved? Are you saved? How many people are saved? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Now you can? Okay. Everybody raise your hand high. You're saved. Amen. Guess what you've been given? The message of reconciliation. All of this goodness that God has done is not just for you. Why are we going over and over again, Father? I mean, Pastor, why, why we are saved and why are you hounding us? Well, not just because it's in the scripture, okay? But because I want you to see through a weekly process everything that Jesus Christ has really done. Because this church, this church, TLC, needs to know that we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. We need to know that. We need to settle that in our spirit right now that we are definitely saved. And what happens in this church when we recognize that we've been given everything that we need, you know what happens? We take that message of reconciliation and we tell others. We tell others. We evangelize. We tell our story. We tell our our testimony. We get excited about that. We are people who are excited about what Jesus Christ has done. We don't need better preachers in here. We don't need better songs. We don't need better song leaders. We don't need that. It's simple. We don't need better Bible studies. It's simply that we need to really believe what God has already done, and then we will start telling everybody what God has already done. When you start telling them, people will see that there's this joy that you have, and they'll be like, why don't I have that joy? What, something's different about you. Where are you getting this joy from? Well, I'll tell you what. You ever been, you ever, how many, let's see. How many people have been married? Good, there's enough of y'all. Good. Praying for (laughs) y'all. Here's the thing. Here's my point. You ever notice when a girl gets proposed to by her boyfriend, you ever see what happens with her? She just lights up. She just gets, and come on, Blanche, you know, she gets excited. You, you know, the first thing she want to do is she want to call her girlfriend. Don't she? She want to call her girl. Girl, Dre proposed to me. Are you, girl, are you serious? Girl, shut up, girl. No. No, he didn't. Girl, don't play with me. Girl, yes, yes, he did. Girl, yes, he did. Girl, yes, he did. Dre proposing. Are you serious? And you know what else they start doing? They get so excited. They get on the phone. They go tell all their friends. And all their friends start like them. They start getting giddy and excited and stuff like that. And they start measuring themselves for dresses they ain't even got yet. You ever seen that? That's what they do. They get excited. Girl, don't play. They, get, they light up. Before they get off the phone, they are making plans. Are you, come on. Y'all seen it happen? Here's the point. She's not even married yet, but she knows something exciting is coming. So what she does is she can't help herself. She gets on the phone and she tells everybody that she knows. And they start getting excited. So when you get saved and you realize what that really means, you go out and tell somebody about God's goodness that you don't deserve. Here's the thing. We as believers, we are saved, we are sanctified, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, and we are made complete and whole, and we have everything we need. And we get to rehearse this excitement that we have about our proposal to Jesus on a daily basis. 
Yes, we do. On a daily basis, I get to rehearse what Jesus has done for me. Dude, you will never guess what happened. What, man? What happened? Man, I'm engaged to Jesus. Are you serious? No, man. Shut up. Really? Yeah, man. My old man has been crucified. I'm a new creature in Jesus. I have a new mind. And one day I'm going to get a new body that's going to line up with it. And I don't have to act crazy no more. I don't have to do craziness no more. Uh, I don't have to sin no more. One day I'm going to be just like Jesus. I'm so excited. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to start practicing this holiness now, even before I get there. I'm going to practice this holiness that he has given me even before I get there. Are you seeing a difference? Why am I smiling like this? You want to know why I'm smiling like this? I've heard the gospel. I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to tell you about it. Who do you want to tell? We have new life. It has already happened. Now, there are some things that the Holy Spirit is working on. But if we preach this thing in order, section by section, line upon line, there is a purpose for the believer being rock solid in what they have been given. And you start there. You start, you over and over again, you pound that in. Paul is saying, listen. I know y'all didn't come out of some craziness. We was with a family whose name shall not be mentioned. <laughs> and they were telling me some stuff that they had done and been involved in. And some of the stuff was just hilarious. Crazy and hilarious. And I started thinking to myself, you know, they ain't no better than me. I ain't no better than them. The Hawkins family got some craziness too. I'm talking about this version. <laughs> we got some crazy stories too. When you think about it, here's the thing that blows me away. That we could come from wherever we came from. And that Jesus Christ could reach into decades and generations of sin. Folks who just denied him and denied him and denied him. And one day you end up getting saved. Whoa! So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your family history was and what they did. When you are in Christ, you are a brand new creature. Totally. Totally. Ah, totally. You ain't halfway new. You're all the way new. You're complete in Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. And I want to encourage you today. I'm going to hold that stuff over your head. I'm going to encourage you today. If you got to think about it, only think about it from the time, in terms of what Jesus Christ has pulled you from. But you're not stuck there. The King James Version said he nailed the ordinances to the cross. It's no longer attached to you. You died already. I'm going to read this quote and I'm going to be done. I'm crying all over my computer. The meaning of all this is that since Christ has achieved so much victory and has subdued all the foes of man, we should not be led captive but should regard ourselves as free men. We should not be made again the slaves of customs or habits or ritual observances or superstitious rites or anything else, whatever that has its origin in the kingdom of darkness. We are bound to assert and to use our freedom and should not allow any hostile power in the form of philosophy or false teaching of any kind, I don't care where it comes from, to plunder, spoil, or beguile us. The Christian is a freed man. 
His great captain, Jesus, has subdued all his enemies. And we should not allow them again to set up their dark empire in our souls. The argument of the apostle is coming from these verses. It is derived from this passage of scripture. This is what Christ has done. He says, he mentions four things. He has given us spiritual life. He has forgiven all of our trespasses. He has blotted out or abolished the ordinances, the sin debt that was against us. And he has triumphed over all our foes. And he says basically this, that we should not be made captive or subdued by any of the rights of superstition or any of the influences of the kingdom of darkness. He says, it is your responsibility to remind yourself of what Jesus Christ has done for you and not let somebody's subtle sneaking teaching, spooky Christianity, uh, being ridiculously uh, rigid, which we're getting ready to get into, asceticism, where it's about works and not Christ. Huh? Don't allow any of that to make it seem like those things are what's causing a new life in you. It is Christ alone. If you want to study somebody, I'm going to say it again. Look at Jesus. Look at what he's done. And what you will see happen is when you realize everything he's paid for, it will turn into love, saints. It will turn into love. The law couldn't do it. The legal code cannot do it. If you keep allowing people to speak into you who you are not, then you will never begin to understand who you really are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll say it again. Little children do this all the time. You keep reinforcing the negative narrative, they begin to believe it. They begin to believe it. So what Paul does here with this church, he says, listen to me. Throw all that philosophy stuff out. Throw all that I'm missing something stuff out. Throw all that out. Look at Jesus and what he has done. And it will cause a love in your heart. And you'll respond to him not in this faking it thing that people do. Or they get in church and they turn 18 and all of a sudden we don't know what happened to them. Huh? You know what happened? Church, not Jesus. That's the difference. Okay? Church, not Christ. Some man's version of that versus who Jesus Christ really is. Once you begin to see the simple gospel, I loved you in spite of you. I didn't have to give my son for you, but I did it anyway. Huh? Once you take a good look at that, that will turn into a love in the inward man, a love from the heart, and not just this outward rigidity that doesn't change anything. Are you hearing me? Amen? So get out there and tell people about this joy that you have. Amen? Amen. When you see me not smiling, be like, Pastor, you saved. That's right. <laughs> You're right. You are right. You are right. <laughs> when I see you not smiling, I, 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 you saved. You saved. Remember that? Remember what Jesus Christ done you? Huh? You have the risen life already. I'm done. I'm excited because we're going to get into some stuff in the coming weeks that exposes uh, this real religious side of things that causes people to step out because they were never really a part of the love of Christ. We're going to get into that. And then we're also going to get into after we deal with being bulletproofed and assured in our salvation, we're going to deal with, okay, listen now. Why are you still doing that? How Jesus in you is still acting like that for 20 years? Okay? That's real. You apply, something I'm learning about weight training, you apply the truth of God to your toughest area. 
okay? Whatever it is, I don't care if it's unforgiveness, I don't care if it's drinking, whatever it is, you know? It's not bigger than Jesus. You pull Jesus in that area, he's going to free you, he's going to deliver you. Amen? Are you, are you believing it? Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, I want you to bring some people to church. Starting to like what I'm seeing here. Bring them on. All right, let's stand.